You ready? Let's go. Gods will always come back and get you. Here's Panarin looking to walk out of the corner. No, he'll throw to the point. Seth Jones. Hard pass to the other side. Murray. Panarin. Fire scores! Artemi Panarin. Tic-tac-toe. Hockey gods will come back and get you every time. Welcome to the Religion of Hockey podcast. My name is Graf, aka Nate from Murdoch. I am well. I'm joined by Nico and Jay. Uh, on this podcast, we'll be doing it every single Sunday. Whether we record on Sundays is kind of up in the air, but we'll, we'll be releasing it every Sunday. Um, uh, but I'm going to give a little bit of a moment for Jay and Nico to both introduce themselves, so you guys know who they are. I'm a hockey god. Just want to let you guys know right off the bat. Okay, that's so it. That that's all. That's all they do. And I know I'm gonna I'm gonna go first on that. Good introduction. Note. On that note, that's I'm, all I'm gonna go know. first with my introduction. So I'm former six J. You can find me on Twitter, and then you can find everything I do there. So just Twitter is like the main hub for me. So go there and you can see everything that I do. What up? I'm <laughs> as you heard earlier. I'm a hockey god, Nikos. No, um, <laughs> I'm at Nico from TO. I'm a contributor for Puck77.com. Uh, I work for uh, the USHL, and I am a producer at ESPN in Chicago. Um, do a lot of things for hockey. You can find me on Twitter at Nico from the TO, talking all about hockey and more. Great introduction, guys. <laughs> He's a Leafs fan. I don't like him. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, I'm the least from my four favorite team. Nico's a Leafs fan. Jay is a Habs fan. Just so we're clear, I'm a Dallas Stars fan first and foremost. (laughs) No. Yeah, this is... There's going to be a lot of heated debates on this podcast. Just letting you guys know this right now. I like fire, so it's okay. All right. Let's do it. Dumpster fire. Here we go. Yeah, that's a nice transition, talking about dumpster fires. Uh, we're I mean, if we're, we're going to talk about the Oilers in the podcast, might as well talk about well, now. Ottawa. Ouch. But, <laughs> you know. Ouch. Okay, Canada. that too. That too. <laughs> all right, we're just dumping on teams to start off. This is <laughs> all right, all right. So, I mean, This so, is a religious podcast. All right, so speaking of dumpster fires, and we're just going to start with Ottawa just because like, it's been pretty saturated, so let's just get through this. Ottawa, they need a draft pick. Stone Duchesne, what's happening, guys? I honestly, right now, I have the feel. I feel with um, all the media surrounding Ottawa, it seems like right now it's something is very, very close. Whether it's a trade or a signing on either or Stone or Duchesne, it seems like something is about to happen. Like a pimple's about to pop. That's that's a pretty gross way to put it, but that's you know, gross. you know what I mean. We're family you know friendly. I mean. What just happened? <laughs> hey, no, no, nasty. that's family friendly. Come on, pimple popping is very popular on YouTube. All right, all right let's move on. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying though. I mean, there's there's three there's three uh, players that are in play for the Ottawa Senators. Definitely, you have Stone, Mark Stone, 26 years old, Ryan DeSingle, 26, and Duchesne, who's also 26. It's it's so weird to have three players who are so integral to a to a lineup that are going to be UFAs this season. And that and you've been seeing reports from Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman coming out and saying that uh, Stone's on the move, but then a week later you'll see somebody else come out and say. 
say, oh, he wants to stay in Ottawa. So it's a, such a weird situation, like especially from Stone's Stone situation, because he doesn't he doesn't come out with anything. It's been so silent on his end, especially. I mean, Duchesne's come out and said he wants to play for the Sens one week. The next week he doesn't. Oh, I don't understand what's going on with Ottawa. So for me, it's like they said it's either they have like their own set deadline, and if they can't get them resigned, they're going to go ahead and trade them. But we still haven't heard anything, even though they just said that. Then the other thing is we're talking about all about the USA's, but they have Colin White, who's a young player for them. They have to resign as well. So that's like four like pretty high quality players that they're going to have to resign. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with Ottawa, <laughs> with Eugene Melnick, he isn't exactly the he isn't exactly the guy that wants to spend to the cap. And we we saw that he wanted to spend to the cap in 2021, which I think Ottawa Senators fans can all agree that's not two years, not the yeah, best. They, by, yeah, by the way, fans, in two years we're gonna spend the cup. Yeah, the in two, two years, in two seasons happens, we're gonna be competitive. What happens during the next two years? Like, why would you even come out and say that? Like, you know, anything that comes out of that guy's mouth is gonna be met with hate. The thing from is, the is Ottawa like, Senators first off too. I don't think Pierre Dorian is that bad of a GM. I just think because he has Eugene Melnick over top of him, he has to like follow like what he wants to do which is weird. I think Pierre Dorian isn't like, I think he's not the greatest but I also don't think he's the worst if you see what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. He's good at drafting. They've been fantastic at drafting players but other than that, keeping them and keeping them happy. <laughs> that's, a Ottawa, that's a different story. That's a different story. Speaking of drafting, like, I mean, what do you think Duchesne and Stone, if they get to the trade, like, market, sorry to cut you off there, if they get to the trade, like, if they don't resign from their set deadline, even though we're cutting to the real deadline real soon anyway, uh, what do you think, like, Duchesne and Stone will go for? Honestly, I feel like Stone will, I feel like it's, it's tough to feel how the market is for either or right now, because I, uh, one day I would say, oh, Stone might get more one day i might say to shane get might get more it really is kind of a flip-flop because with stone i think he's the better player but duchene has the aspect of being that center being that guy that can be that first line center for a lot of teams and while i feel like if a team like winnipeg goes out he won't be their first line center obviously shifley is pretty decent the, i i feel like that's going to be command a lot of interest and if ottawa wants to go that route they'll probably get a lot of assets hopefully they don't get fleeced like the carlson trade that's the thing with that's what i was I was I was thinking that for for Stone he's from Winnipeg, uh, the Jets have been linked to him for the last couple of months. I just think that having th- they need one more star player. Considering Lionel's having a very let's just say diet season, um, and he's just not he's just not performing. They put him on the third line. He's off the first power play. You bring in Stone, who is a two hundred foot player, plays he's six foot four, two hundred twenty pounds. Big uh, man. I'm pretty sure he fits in perfectly with the rest of the six foot four monsters on Winnipeg um, just just you have you have the assets in Winnipeg to move for a player like him and not to mention he's played center before and not in juniors and in the minors he only started playing wing to start off his career because you had Spezza and you had Turris with him when he started off his career so he played center I'm not saying he's going to but there's always that option too but he does have a 200 foot game and he's a huge player and I think the, the Winnipeg Jacks have a lot of players that like you mentioned having fleecing I don't think there's going to be a fleece there if you move for a player like Stone because you're going to get that type of uh, acquisition from Winnipeg that's going to be equal value Okay, so I, I want to just talk about what Graf said. I think that because Stone might be a little bit better, he's a year younger and he's a winger, but Duchesne is the center. So I think their values are almost like equal like for these two players. And yeah. like like you said, Stone going to Winnipeg, I think like he fits their team well. He's a big, 
fast player, which is what they're going for. Um, I think that you can move like Stone, like like you said. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like Stone is just he seems like a very good fit there. But it's like who you're gonna get back because their first round pick is gonna be late. So maybe you have to be like. Uh, a first round pick I mean Jack Roslovich has been playing well but like who else are you going to get like a first and a second I don't know what like Sammy Niku maybe Sammy Niku as well yeah for me Winnipeg is one of the most probably there's a lot of interesting teams around this trade deadline but when it comes to buyers Winnipeg has a lot of potential I feel like with Winnipeg they have a lot of potential to just go after either or Stone or Duchesne and we've already seen them linked to both, pretty much both Duchesne and Stone by a lot of hockey reporters and I feel like the fit for either or is there it's going to be tough. I don't think they're going to get both obviously but I feel like it, I feel like they'll be one of the teams that are going to go after both they'll probably end up getting they might end up getting one we'll see what happens but I feel like with Winnipeg I feel like they have the assets to give up as you said uh niku i feel like guy, guys like niku guys like roslovic could go i feel like they're they have got a lot of defensive prospects as well i feel like with winnipeg they also have the flexibility and i think they also want to go after a big guy like that yo on the on the low low though i really do think that patrick line might be in play for winnipeg if we're talking about to go I think, for I think stone Patrick, to go back for stone i th- i know hot take here uh hot <laughs> but take. I, do, I do think that uh, patrick line could be in could be in play I've, a he's having one of the weirdest seasons that you could think of right now i mean he has yeah. like, i think he has 26 goals nine assists hasn't scored a goal in the last 20 games um he has a huge he has a huge contract coming up that the guy well, could potentially huge? score 30 goals but only have about 45 points and to think that maybe Stone, they trade for Stone, you sign Stone to that contract, you have a way more complete player in Stone for about the same amount of money you think about. It. I know that Line is a lot, like, be four years, four or five years younger. I understand that aspect, but you're getting a, a fully complete player who's a point-per-game player, by the way, and he fits in perfectly with your system. And I do and I do think that Line, who's been playing consistent third-line minutes, second power play minutes, I don't think it's that outrageous to say that Patrick Liney for Mark Stone isn't in play. That would be absolutely ridiculous. That would be insane. Like, the hockey world would go crazy. <laughs> go crazy. Yeah, if we're talking like meters of attention, you can't get much bigger than that. Just Patrick Line on himself, even the possibility of him getting traded. Like, I made a video about that last week, but I don't think Patrick Line is getting traded, but I don't think it's impossible right now. I mean, Patrick Line, he's pretty much been a guy that's been relied on goals to pretty much be set as a good player. I mean, when you look at his advanced stats and pretty much every single other statistic besides points, it, it doesn't look good for him. But right now, Patrick Line isn't even scoring the goals to make himself look good. So if Winnipeg wasn't going to trade him, that contract coming up is going to be very interesting because you can't really make the, besides besides the course couple of years where he did amazingly scoring goals, You like when you look at this year, you can't justify paying him 9, 10, 11 million dollars. You just can't justify that for how poorly he's played, especially in the last couple of months. Right. This season, he's played 58 games, 25 goals, 11 assists, 36 points, a minus 17. Um, I, it just it just seems like it's that way. I mean, you have a, con- a career projection of him right now for his salary. You're probably going to give him $7 million. How much do you think Mark Stone's going to get? $8 million? Yeah. Who would, you, who would you rather pay for? A complete player that's still in his prime for the next four or five years? 
or are you going to pay for a player that you're just hoping that maybe something pops off on him? We're also talking Mark about Stone. Stone. Like Duchesne could be in play there too. They need a center. They want to bump Little down too, right? Like they want to do what they did with Stasny where they have Stasny as their second line or move Brian Little because for the playoffs you want to get center depth. But I think it's just an interesting dynamic because you did not expect Lane to do this. Even though he's having like 25 goals is a solid season, but it's still we. It's like a very interesting dynamic with Winnipeg and Line. A. Like it's it's I don't, it's weird to see what they're gonna do. You know, it's if you're if you're comparing it last season, Michael Grabner had the same amount of points in the same amount of games as last season. It was traded for <laughs> two very different players. I know, but I'm just comparing the season. The season that he's having, 25 goals, 11 assists. He's not. He doesn't play That's any. His 5v5 Corsi rating is horrible. Uh, third line minutes, like I mentioned, the guy doesn't play against top opposition, and he's not scoring. That's the thing. He's I don't know. He's a pure goal scorer. Like he's the definition of a pure goal scorer. And when he doesn't put in goals, it's like, what is he doing? That's the issue with him. And, exactly. and unlike Alex Ovechkin, Alex Ovechkin scored 100 points in his first season, right, or something like that, or scored 50 goals at least. I remember that. And like he's been doing it ever since. And he's a pure goal scorer too, but he doesn't. He does not have lapses. Like. Obviously, in his career, he has, but most of the time, he's ending up with 40-plus goals at least. And Lane, this early in his career, he had 40 goals last year, but this year, he's obviously at 25, but he's not... He's just... I don't know. I don't think he... Everyone was talking about how him versus Matthews was this whole thing. I know as a Leafs fan, like, you think Matthews is better. I think it's obviously true now that Matthews is better, but it was, like, way more close. Now it's obvious Matthews is better, and Lane might... Like, Line A isn't doing that. Well. I don't know what to say. It's crazy. Brad, I get what you're saying. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, there's another player on Ottawa that's also uh, in play. Uh, uh, Nate, I think you mentioned earlier, Ryan Dezingle, not on the ice. Okay, yeah, Ryan Dezingle, he has he wasn't shown on the ice um, a little bit earlier. So, I mean, that he's in play, too. Uh, he's also 26 years old, uh, 41 points, 21 goals, 20 assists. I think it's a note to mention that he only has three points in his last seven games, and he's combined for a minus six. Ottawa's um, a Ottawa was a bad team. also not has done hasn't done very well either. So there's that to go with it. But uh, I guess moving on, um, another big story. I mean, the second I think debating debatable one of the biggest stories right now are Temi Panarin and uh, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. Oh man, uh, what, no, no. This what's is... go, what's gonna happen here? Man? So for our Temi, our Temi Panarin comes out to the media and says. It's my career, and I can do what I want with okay, it. Okay, listen. End quote. Right, so for me, all right. So for me, if I'm Florida, uh, if I'm Florida, I want to get both because they're not that big free agency players uh, in hockey, at least. And I think that if they want to make a push because they've been in that zone where they don't know where they are, they're either they're in a wild card or they don't make the playoffs, so they're getting like mid round picks. And that's the worst thing in hockey, as a lot of people say, is that the worst thing in hockey is when you don't know what you are. You're not a contender, but you're not uh, you're not a rebuilder either. You're just kind of in that middle zone, and that's the worst place you can be with all these contenders now. The th- I think that if Florida wants to make a push, the thing is, I, the issue is that they're both on one-year deals, so they can wait till free agency and hope that no one else trades for them, right? But 
I think if Florida wants to ensure that they maybe make a run next year, because it might be too late this year, that they trade for them, they re-sign them, and they really go for it with these two players. Now, the other thing is, as you guys were talking about before we started the podcast, is that Huberto would be going the other way, and that's like a new rumor. But the thing with that is, is like if you're going for it, wouldn't you want to keep Huberto? That's the that's the issue. It's like your bump. You're like, is the trade worth it then if you're moving Huberto for Panarin, which is an upgrade? But then it's like you get Bobrovsky, but what else are you adding in for Florida? First round pick, Borgstrom. That's the thing with this stuff. Yeah, for me personally, like if I was Florida, I for me personally, I really do like our team at Panarin. But you are going after Sergey Bobrovsky with with Florida. Like I feel like the defense overall defensively is more of the problem. But when it comes to goaltending, especially this season, it has just been straight brutal. I love Roberto Luongo more than anybody else on this planet. But he has not been good enough for the Florida Panthers, and to make the playoffs, he certainly has not been good enough. And the same thing goes for James Reimer. But even though Sergey Bobrovsky has had that down year, that is a gigantic upgrade. And if you're Florida, even if you might give up a big prospect for front pick and another big prospect I think it would be worth it for them because they got a stacked top six right now as it is and when it comes to their overall prospects I like when it I like I like a lot of guys that are going to come up in the next couple of years and I feel like with Florida that almost every single year they're like on the cusp they're almost there and I feel like making the playoffs is something that they are so close to doing every single year but a guy like Bobrovsky could put them over the hump so I have a hot take regarding um, our timing for Aaron, okay? So obviously, I'll take alert. yeah. So obviously, he had his breakout year in Chicago. <laughs> he obviously had his breakout year in Chicago playing Patrick Kane, right? So I think yeah. he doesn't want to resign anywhere or choose anywhere really, because I think he might want to go back to Chicago and play with Patrick Kane, because now they're on their whole, they're rebooting now, right? At the start of the year, they're like, what, what happened with uh, Crawford, and they didn't, they were like, they were one of the teams like LA and Anaheim earlier in the season, but now they've won, went on a winning streak and they're back in it. And I think like maybe Panarin wants to go back to hang, like playing with Patrick Kane. I think that might be something in play that that's why he's not resigning. I don't think that um, that it's a surprise that you're saying that. A, right when Panarin was traded, he didn't speak to media or to his own he didn't report to any of the team meetings for two weeks after he was traded, which is you know, something you really don't see in the NHL. Never mind the fact that he's traded uh, for Saad, who's terrible. He's not good, and he's well, on a bad that's, contract. That's, yeah, well, that's, that's a different thing. But, I mean, like, for him personally, for a player not to do that, that was that was a huge thing back then. Um, he's come out, and you've seen him, you see him talking and engaging with Patrick Kane all the time on social media. I know it's just social media where everyone's friends nowadays, and I get that. Um, but for him to say that he wants to go back to a, to a market like Chicago, that's, that's huge. And he wants to get the attention that he was getting in. Chicago. He's not getting the same attention that he got in Chicago in Columbus. And not the, there's also other factors there too. You gotta look at his girlfriend who's a model. Uh, she, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that he wants. He he is in love with this lady. <laughs> and who would it be? Um, and but in saying that, you can't get. There's not as much work in Columbus for model works. To be honest, Chicago is a huge market. I believe that he may be linked to um, to New York as well. But on the Chicago thing 
uh, they're not going to trade for him right now because they don't have the assets. They don't they don't want to trade for him right now. I think that they I was I, I write articles and I wrote this article about the potential of Panarin going back there uh, in the summer purely on the fact that you look at look at how well their top six is doing right now with the with the accusation of Strom and having Strom and DeBrincat holding on their own line, Taves and Kane finally being able to play together. You bring in Panarin, I believe that's a playoff team, and I think that's what he wants. He wants to go to a place that's that's gonna that's gonna be a winner and a place that he's familiar with and a place that's gonna make his whole family, um, his new family, happy. And I think that's a perfect situation for him. Yeah, I mean with Chicago, they've been kind of on the rise a little bit. Uh, they're eight two and zero in their last ten. I mean Chicago is starting to finally. I mean they were pretty decent to start out of the season, then they kind of fell down a little bit, and they had a little bit of an upswing, then they fell terribly down, and now they're back up again. But with that Western Conference, they still have a shot. Uh, I think they're like two points out of the playoffs right now. It's pretty crazy. But Chicago has kind of proved themselves a little bit. Delia has played pretty well. The defense, I, from what I've seen, has been a lot more steady. Uh, the offense, Patrick Kane has just been Man. a stud. And I, <laughs> that, that defense in Chicago is horrible. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I watch a lot. Of, I watch a lot of Hawks games. There's a, there. I can you can count. It's like a drinking game with how many times uh, Seabrook ices the puck. It's oh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about Seabrook. He is always it's terrible. Crazy. Always. I don't know terrible. what his problem. Murphy, Murphy just stands still. Let's anybody. It, that's a different story for. That's, that's another story for another time. Change. But, but that that defense is not <laughs> not good. That's the other thing. Is like, do they want to buy in this year? Like, do they think they can make it this year? And I think like, I don't know if I think they do. I don't think a team will take Ward though, and that's a big thing. They need to get that three million off the books. So I don't think they're going to be able to. Okay. They're not buyers. There's no, way. no way. Chicago's not buyers. They're playing. They're playing with house. And the other thing right is, now. you said you can't trade for Panarin because you don't have the assets. The only assets they have is like Strom and Debrinket. And obviously, you're not trading Debrinket. He's too good. And now with Strom playing so well with Debrinket, you can't trade. You can't trade him. Like that's so great. Well, they have other. They have other defensive prospects and Adam Boquist yeah. and, and Nicholas Bodin. They also have Yoko uh, Harju and and Boquist will be lethal together in the next couple of years. Exactly. But they'll but still they have, have to sure up that defensive depth somehow. And if they well, put in Panarin, it's going to be. Is if they put in Panarin and he's like at an, if he's like a nine million dollar player, like just forget about the defensive depth because it's not going to happen. Right, right. Well, I mean, speaking of like central teams, what about Colorado? How quickly they went from buyer to a seller? Now, now, I, they, want, now they want two picks, right? Now they want the top two picks, Capo Caco and oh Jack Hughes, boy. right? Because they have the Ottawa pick, which and they're sitting in dead last. So they'll they'll probably have a top three pick. And then Colorado is what in ninth right now. They're the ninth last team. So if they want to, like really, they can start stripping it down and getting that another pick and then taking another shot at it. They have that. Funny how, funny how stories change. We talk. We were just talking about how great the Blackhawks are, but they're still last in the in the West in the yeah. Central Division right now, and they're tied with Colorado for points. By the way, Colorado is a 23-23 and eleven record. The Blackhawks That's insane. Are Twenty-five are twenty-four, twenty-five and nine, fifty-seven points. So we we let la- we laugh about see how quickly everything changes, but like geez. Well, especially in that Western Conference, like I'm, yeah. you guys know, everybody knows, I'm a Dallas Stars fan. Like you are? I, we were sitting comfy in that third spot, and the St. Louis Blues end up winning eight straight games, and now they're third in the Central. And I like the, with that Western Conference, I don't count anybody out anymore because I feel like <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks had counted them out two weeks ago, and now they've won eight or they've won eight out of their last ten. And I, I just with that Western Conference, even if Chicago might not be the best on paper, they still have that 
that shot, and Colorado still does, even if it might look bleak right okay, now. Okay, so for me, I think they have to start rebuilding for next year. This is Colorado I'm talking about. So they have the line of McKinnon, Landeskog, and Miko Rantanen, right? But I'm going to list you off the rest of their players, and like they don't have that much depth, and this is just offense, okay? So they have Carl Soderberg, okay, that's like maybe a third liner, Matt Calvert, a fourth liner, Matt Nieto, Sven Andrigetto, Gabriel Bork, Dominic uh, Toninato, I don't even know who that is, to be honest. Oh, wait, no, I do know who it is. But then they have Alexander Kerfoot, who's 24 years old, a good young player. JT Confer, another good young player. Sheldon Dries, and then they have, Mik- obviously, Mika Randon. They have Tyson Jost, who's obviously a great center coming up. All- he plays all positions. And then they have AJ Greer. To me, that's not enough. You have no depth there. So I think they don't have to rebuild because they already have those picks. Uh, they have Ottawa's first-round pick and third-round pick. So I think if you just retool, like kind of like Montreal did uh, last year with British Van making all those little trades, um, you can retool and get ready to push for in the future, in the next two to three seasons, or, or in the next season, instead of going for it now. Because with that one line, you can't hang with any of the other teams in the West. Speaking of Winnipeg, speaking of Nashville, those types of teams. Yeah, I mean, if they do get the top two spots in the draft, though, if they do get those two top spots of Ottawa's pick and Colorado's pick, I don't think they'll have any more depth problems with Jack Hughes and Capo Well, Hughes and Cap, they, yeah. they slot in right to the lineup, right? I would assume that becomes their third line. Uh, you move Tyson Jones maybe to their second line, I would assume, because they're young. I wouldn't want them playing more than third line minutes. Um, unless Jack Hughes is that good, but I don't see him being that Austin Matthews comes in right away. He'll play, like obviously he'll be good and he'll play in the NHL, but he's not gonna score four goals. He's not gonna become that elite first line center uh, in his like first like right at the right at his debut. So I would think they put them two maybe together on the third line. You move up a couple of the guys and they'll get older, more experience, and then hopefully next year you'll get it. And not to mention their defense is not horrible. Eric Johnson's on a pretty bad contract but you have Tyson Berry who's really good you have Nikita Zadarov who's just a big guy you have Samuel Girard who's been amazing like in the last two seasons and then I guess you have Ryan Graves and Patrick Nemeth but obviously you can improve that free agency hopefully um, Ian Cole is on the injured reserve uh, so is Mark Barberio and Colin Wilson uh, Cam Nev is also another good young guy but if you were thinking about if they are going to move stuff out right so what do you think like what what if they're gonna sell what do you think they sell because other than their top line they have a bunch of young guys and they don't want to move out young guys so maybe Matt Calvert but that's bringing in what a third round pick I don't know yeah, I think you're an avalanche fan here on the cutter undercover avalanche I'm just on there I'm just on there don't lie I'm just on there cap friendly relax relax I'm just on there cap friendly that's all. I wasn't. Super I wasn't. Spy avalanche fan. I see how it is. No, I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't on their uh, thing. But I think the only guy who has like I'm on their cap friendly. It's fine. But I think they're only the only guy that's like old and has value. I mean, they could probably flip Ian Cole. Maybe he's injured. The only guy would be Eric Johnson, and you'd have to retain salary. And he has a no trade clause in that contract. So I don't know what else you're moving. So you're not what, moving what anything else. Say, you're not with what with what with what you were saying. I agree and disagree. I, I the depth issue has been an issue for forever for Colorado. We all understand that. The biggest thing with them, I I think, is their goaltending. Look oh, at their goaltending. You have yeah. you have Simeon Varlama, UFA. fourteen four. He has a record of fourteen. Yeah, UFA fourteen fourteen, a two point nine four goals against average and a nine oh five save percentage. But wait, there's more. Uh, Philip Grubauer three, signed a three year contract with him. Three mil. Nine yeah. seven and 0. Three million dollar contract. Three. 0.42 goals against average and an 890 save percentage. 
you're not going to win anything with that kind of goaltending. So, yeah, while the depth issues are there, if you can't stop a puck, you're not going to win anyway. And I think that's their biggest issue right now. I think they, the, the player that's in move for them is Simeon Varlamov. I think they're going to move him because, obviously, he's a UFA. He's the older goaltender, and they have a con- they already have uh, Grubauer signed. But both goaltenders are not – you're not going to get almost nothing for him right now. They're in a weird, very weird spot where if, if Varlamov or – Philip Grubauer catch fire or they become you know average goaltenders they're going to be in the playoffs all they they need is average goaltending the thing is in the NHL right now there's there's a little bit of a pattern we have a few like pretty good teams but they just can't get goaltending look at Philadelphia you have Calgary who's kind of getting through it somehow uh, and there's a bunch of teams like that where they don't have a goaltender and if they did they could they could they can make a push now obviously in Colorado I think like maybe they traded Varlama but I don't think they're bringing in a goaltender I think they just have to ride it out with Grubauer because they just signed him and it's his first year um, I don't think you can bring in another guy but again another segue here speaking of goaltenders Jamie Howard is on Detroit and obviously they're rebuilding even though they have so many bad contracts now he could be a good backup option or a good rotation option where you maybe like split their minutes uh, so you have Jamie Howard who they want a first round pick you have Nyquist uh, and then obviously uh, like what, what do you think Detroit's doing? Detroit is really interesting because when it comes to guys that can sell off, I mean, I don't think Detroit has too much when it comes to actual players of worth Assets, that yep. they would actually want to trade out. But a guy like Jimmy Howard is the exception there, and I feel like he could command a lot of interest, like maybe maybe even more than just a first-round pick, maybe a first-round pick and a prospect. I mean, a lot of teams right now are struggling with goaltending, and we've seen how many goals have been scored as a whole in the NHL this season. It's been a ton. And if you can just get league average goaltending, a lot of contending teams would die for that right now. And I feel like a guy like Jimmy Howard, who has playoff experience with Detroit, uh, I'm not sure if he was on the 2009 Cup. I'll have to check that. But yeah, he has he playoff experience for sure with Detroit. And, of course, being along for those playoff streaks and all that, he has that experience, and he can bring that to a contending team that needs just the goaltending but can also bring the experience. Yeah, and I also think along with that uh, Gustav Nyquist, um, personally, oh, yeah, I forgot one of my about favorite him. players. Um, I believe he's gonna he's gonna be a player that he's gonna be a guy that's in play too. A great top six could fit in your top six, top nine um, forward group, and he brings he brings that goal scoring, he brings speed. He's actually a decent uh, no not to popular dema- uh, popular demand. He's a, a pretty good two way forward, by the way. Um, so you play him. I think he gets you a first round pick, honestly. Oh yeah, he, he might be another. He, I would think. I think he could. I think maybe a second and a third. You think he'd bring in a first? I don't even know if Jimmy Howard's bringing in a first. I don't know about Detroit. I mean, well, Jimmy Howard season, is this season. Uh, for Gustav Dank was this season, 14 goals, 33 assists, 40, 47 points on one of the worst teams in the NHL. Yeah, that's that a first that, that, that So, pick. I, just going back to Jimmy Howard quickly, he's 17-15-0. He he's better than the average goaltender. He has a 9-15 save percentage and 2.74 goals against average on a bad team. So, Jimmy Howard could be uh, someone they uh, let go, obviously, for assets. The other thing is, is like they brought in other guys who they probably would have wanted to trade, like Mike Green. They re-signed him. 
Harden, probably wanting him to build his value even more. I don't know how that he would do that after his good season last year. But they re-signed him, and then now he's not playing that great. He's pretty. He's a pretty average. Uh, so maybe a team goes after him, but he's on. He has a no trade clause. And he's making five million for the next two years. Dakaj is making five million for the next like four years. Uh, they just have a lot of guys who are decent but not great, and they're on terrible contracts. Well, Mike Green was a signing where it was kind of like, hey, we have nobody else. <laughs> we might as well bring him back. I really that was just all that Wait, was. I mean, he likes Detroit. He peaked in value um, last he, trade deadline. I would. I don't know why they didn't trade him there. He was going off because he likes to be there. He wants to. It, it's hard. You know what? It's hard to find. I think what people don't understand is in is in professional sports sometimes it's hard to find players who actually want to be in your city and honestly Mike Green was one of those guys he's always talking to the media is great in the locker room and for a rebuilding team like Detroit when you had uh, Henrik Zetterberg out for a little bit of the season and now obviously he retired you have Mike Green there who's a leader and you need leaders in there to help out in a team that that is kind of bad and I think that's an, uh, that's an under that's an undervalued um you know, one of the intangibles, as you as you would say, and I think that's what he brings. Um, you're not going to get a lot for him, but you know, it helps having a guy calm down the pe- calm down the team members when you lose seven to five and every single night. Okay, so going like a long. Okay, so here's the last thing I have about Detroit. So this guy has been moved around a lot, and I think he could bring in a little bit of value. And uh, he's a, he's a UFA after this year. He's 35 years old. Thomas Vanek. He's a winger. He could bring in a fourth line scoring. T- Touch to a team that's making the play. No moving clause, my dude. He's not moving. No trade no clause. Never mind. <laughs> so yeah, no way. That would have been one of their good. He, he, he could have got. Been, he could have brought. I've never him. seen that before. I've never seen a one-year no movement yeah. clause for two point three million dollars. I've never seen that. Before. I just realized I mean, it's not for him it's to not get a, it. It's not a modified no trade. It's a full no trade. So yeah, being how many times has he been traded in yeah. his career? I, I don't think he uh, wants to I, move. Exactly, he's moved too much. Yeah, I'm actually spoiler alert. I'm actually writing an article about saying this is actually Thomas Vanek's last season in the NHL. Yeah, um, so I don't I, see him I, playing after this. To be honest, I mean this no. season he hasn't been bad. Uh, 50, 50 games played, eleven goals, seventeen assists for twenty eight points. I mean he puts up the points, and that's always what he's supposed to do. Uh, I mean that's what he's been that's what he's been doing for a long time, but he doesn't do too much else. So we saw that last year with Vancouver that they only got like they only got Mott at the trade deadline yeah, for Thomas Vanek who had who was having an amazing season up to that point and he they only got Mott for him and Mott's like a fourth line center at best for Vancouver right now so I don't feel I so I feel like for Detroit he's also one of those guys that can bring the leadership he also has the playoff experience I would I would think and I feel like with Vanek you could trade him but at this point like you get like a third yeah, round pick for him. for him he doesn't want yeah. to go anywhere so, he's at that point where he doesn't want to yeah, go anywhere he's about to retire like you said and how you're going to write an article. But, so we talked about, like, what they can bring in. But where do you think these two guys are going? Specifically, uh, Nyquist and Jimmy Howard. Like, where do we think they're going to end up after the trade line? I mean, we're 10 days away. We're getting close. For me, for Jimmy Howard especially, I think the San Jose Sharks are a perfect fit. When it comes to San Jose, one of my terrible predictions I made at the start of the season was that Martin Jones would win the Vesta Trophy. That what? Was, that was not good. <laughs> And so far this season, it's been the exact opposite. And a guy like Jimmy Howard, a guy like Jimmy Howard could bring no, no, a no, no, lot for the Sanders Sharks. 
That's a cold take. Freezing cold take. Yes, freezing cold take right there. It was at the time. I thought he had a lot of talents. He had a lot of. He showed that before. I thought San Jose Sharks were going to win the Presidents Trophy as well with the Carlson trade as well. That was that was my feeling going into the season. <laughs> so Carlson, like that's. A, I think they could have because they've they've re built that chemistry with Carlson now on their team but at the start he wasn't playing that great if you guys remember at the very beginning of the season I mean obviously he's on he was kind of snake bitten a little bit he was obviously on a new team and obviously exactly snake bitten but at the start they weren't playing as great as they were supposed to if you remember and that was like a big yeah game. I was really scared exactly. for that prediction but San Jose has gone a little bit and back now, and now they've gotten back to being that powerhouse defensive team which again is another thing like defense wins championships Winnipeg has a great defense Nashville has a great defense the only thing I see is when Pittsburgh won. That's the only time where they won with like a bad defense. Every other team that's made a run has had at least uh, league average again. League average defense. Like defense. So moving on on the topic uh, on those teams, I feel like I think like Carolina is also very interesting when it comes to this trade deadline. Of course, you got the guy like you got a guy like Michael Furland, but I feel like Carolina has potential to go beyond that as well. Don't, don't tell me you're gonna say Dougie. <laughs> well, I'm Hamilton. thinking. Do not. No. Dougie I, I Hamilton is staying put. I was thinking about Detroit and Nyquist. If they're looking for a goal scorer, they have the assets to give back to Detroit. Good young assets who they that can give work. back. So I think Nyquist uh, and Carolina, they, I think they fit perfectly with what both teams are trying to do. Yeah, I can see that. For me, I feel like Carolina. Well, Carolina also has a ton of cap space. I think they're like, I think they're, they're like, the, they have the most cap space, if not like, or they're the second, second most yeah. cap space, if not the first. But they have a ton of flexibility, and I don't feel like they would go after a guy like Panarin or a Duchesne or, or Mark he. Stone. But I wouldn't say that it's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, with Tom Dundon, he's been pretty bombastic in the past, obviously creating that whole new atmosphere for Carolina. But adding a guy like that big, like a Mark Stone. Or in a Tampa Panarin, honestly, I could actually see it happening. Yeah, I for for Carolina, it, it, I want to talk about funny stats. So if Carolina was in the um, was in the West right now, they would be they would be sitting pretty very pretty <laughs> with how many points they have. Um, they're not a bad team. People keep confusing Carolina with like this really really bad team. They're twenty nine, twenty two, and six. They picked up Nino, they're yeah. The, yeah. They're in one of the toughest divisions, I believe, in hockey right now with with the Blue Jackets, Islanders, Capitals, Penguins. Like it's such a strange division where, no, if if you get in the first, your your reward for getting in the first is playing the Penguins. (laughs) The Pittsburgh Penguins. Congratulations. So. Carolina's only three points behind the Penguins of knocking them out of the playoffs. They're also three points away from Blue Jackets knocking them out of the playoffs. So, like, the the race for uh, in the Metro is it, another interesting place. So, if you're Carolina, are you really going to – I'd say they're such an interesting place because are you really going to move Michael Ferland though? Yeah. Like, he's helped your team out. Are you really going to get nothing for Jeff Skinner? The thing – like that's it. The thing is, like that's is like, all you're gonna get. Carolina is so weird because they they say now that they need scoring, right? So they brought Nito Niederreiter, who's obviously good uh, defensively as well. But they say they need goal scoring, but they traded Jeff Skinner, right? And now it's like their defense is great. Obviously, you have Dougie Hamilton, Jacob Slavin, Justin Falk, Come Dehan, Brett Pesci, Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Like that's a great defense core. But now they need goal scoring. I mean, they have Nito Niederreiter. They have obviously have Sebastian Aho, who's great. But they also have to resign. He's another RFA. Um, and then, uh, other than him, Furland, um, again, has been playing well. Uh, Svechnikov has obviously played well as a rookie. They don't have that much firepower in the offense. 
Uh, they're a lot like Colorado. Not a lot, but offensively, they're a lot like Colorado. They rely on Sebastian Ajo, um, and they probably need it right. But other than that, they, they don't really have that those goal scores that they needed and that they traded away, uh, ironically. Yeah, this yeah. season with Carolina, I feel like the goaltending has been better. I mean, Mrazek hasn't been absolutely crap like it used to be. McElhaney has actually been okay. I he's been so great. For me, <laughs> great. yeah. The problem was always with Carolina, the goaltending. Like every single Sparks. year, it was goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. But now they found it a little bit. But now the problem has been goal scoring. And that's something that Carolina has. Carolina started off pretty decently in that respect. They're still out shooting everybody pretty much to heck and back. But with Carolina, it seems like it's just, just the finishing has been a problem with them. And that's what Nino Needrider has been able to do so far in Carolina and do, do pretty well. But adding a guy like a Gustav Nyquist could work very well okay so going on to another team who their gm just said like go for it like do what you need to do they just oh gave him the green light speaking of green I light they this. just here we go <laughs> minnesota obviously uh. quickly just get this out of the way bad news koivu's out for the uh, rest of the season um so we just want to talk about what they are doing so uh, are they sellers or buyers now? They just gave, again, the GM uh, time uh, to green light. And again, they're in the same position as they usually are, uh, like Florida in that wild card uh, X. Just missed well, the playoffs well, range, Bruce, Bruce Boudreau just gave the Mark Messier Oh, guarantee. no. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Minnesota Wild will make the playoffs. Even though, end quote. Even though, are you kidding even me? Even though on, the GM man. just gave him, like, even though the, G, uh, the owner just gave the GM like that go ahead to maybe start shifting it down a little bit and right as he said that Bruce Bujo goes on to say that and that's just incredible nope obviously like I I maybe there's a lack of communication because Bruce Bujo goes says we're making the playoffs as literally as um, uh, Minnesota's owner says retool do what you need to do to go for the future it's crazy or maybe not in the future yeah. they didn't really specify but I would assume uh, their team is like what they're, I think they're just out of a wild card spot or they're in the wild card spot yeah well well, with the Minnesota Wild dropping six of their first seven games coming out of the all-star break like I don't think the question is no longer should they buy or sell it's more or less how are you wh- what are you going to sell how are you going to break up the current roster because it's not a bad roster when you look at it like Grandlin's fantastic when Koivu wasn't injured they were a playoff team but when you lose your top center your top everything you know he's on the penalty kill on the power play 4v4 3 on 3 he's in your top shootout lineup he does everything for you when you lose your top center um, it's hard to do that and they tried replacing uh, earlier in the season to get him a second line center in Victor Rask, which really hasn't nope. worked out at all. And at all. and right now, like what what how much are you willing to tinker with this with this core? I mean, I know they haven't won anything, but they have been a consistent playoff team. They haven't been a bad team, but when you're at this point where you're you have my uh you have Dumba who's been out a long time, um Ryan Suter's 34 years old, Zach Carrizo is 34 years old. Like, what are you what are you gonna be doing here? What what would you break Eric, up? Because I don't know. It, they're a strange team. What would you trade? Because you don't want to hurt this whole thing. Eric Stalling has yeah, 30 points, and like last year he went off. Um, so that's a part of it, and. I don't know. Like they're they're again in a very difficult spot. They have Granlin. They have these young guys. They have uh, 
uh, young guys like Luke Coonan and Joel Eriksson-Eck, it's like, do they want to strip it down? I mean, they're not getting rid of the Parise contract, who's making $7 million forever, I guess. <laughs> He's 34. And then they also have uh, Ryan Suter, who's making $7 million forever. And he's also 34. So it's like, they, I think because of those two contracts, they have to go for it because they have to get the most use out of these two contracts before, obviously, they bum out and then they're stuck. So they have to go for it, right? Um, so now it's like, now it's like, okay, if they're going for it, they're not going to give up Joel Erickson. He's too good of a young player who can keep helping them on a good contract, obviously, right now because he's on his entry level and that's what they need, cost-controlled forwards. Uh, so it's like, what, what do they do? Devin Dubnik's obviously a great goaltender who's only making $4.3 million. Um, I think the, the big thing was Matt Dumba going down and then obviously Pontus Aberg was a great pickup for them off waivers, I'm pretty sure. Aberg was off waivers. Um, yeah, he was. And he was a he really was good pickup, 25 years old. Good pickup, but he's on the IR now as well. Uh, to be honest, it's funny. Speaking of the Leafs, it's like they uh, they uh, bought out Tyler Ennis, right? But he's been great for the Leafs on the fourth line. I mean, now he's injured, obviously. But before, I think he's just coming back, right? He's coming back soon. But be, mm-hmm. but when he was on the roster, he was a great fourth line scorer and a veteran presence on that young team. Uh, so, yeah. That's what that. Well, what I think for for the Wild right now, I think that they have a couple options. You have, like, you look at what the Leafs did with Jake Muzzin, trading for a guy who still has term left on his contract. You have a guy in Jared Spurgeon who has 11 goals, 24 assists right now. He's at UFA in 2020. He's 29 years old. So technically the same same contract as Jake Muzzin. You add a .5 million on it. Um, he's a great offensive defenseman, and I think that should be in play. You can get a lot more for Jared Spurgeon because he has that term. Because you're not only paying for this playoff run, but next year's playoff run as well. Um, you get a, you can definitely get a first and maybe a prospect for him. And you know, that's a, maybe a steep price for an offensive defenseman, but how many teams that are contenders right now are looking for that kind of depth, looking for who can add their player, add a top four defenseman in their, uh, in their core. Yeah, yeah well, but, Spurgeon, honestly, like with Minnesota, he's been one of the most he's been one of the most valuable just players in their franchise history, especially like this season with Matt Dumba going down as long as he has. Spurgeon has taken all of that load and has played pretty well, I would say, in that stretch. And I feel like if he goes to a playoff team, that would be like if he goes to a contender, that would be scary for all the other teams because Spurgeon can add he he can add so much defensively, offensively. He can really bring it all. But going on the going on the fact of Minnesota as a whole. Like for me, with Minnesota, just in their franchise, and especially in the last few years, when they signed those Parise and that, those Parise contracts and all that, I feel like that was just the marker that kind of that, that was the day that they kind of died. But when it comes to Minnesota, just making the playoffs, never getting past the first or second round, never being able to get over that hump, it just seems like a directionless franchise right now. Especially with them just being in the playoffs, like they always have, they're still in a playoff spot. It just screams to me a team so that a doesn't want to commit yeah, so- to being a contender or a rebuilder and they're stuck in that media. Well, Paul Fenton is in a tough spot, man, as her GM. We'll see what yeah. he does. Um, quickly, uh, we're going to end on Nashville, but quickly I just wanted to go for the Rangers real quick. They sold off a lot of players last season, and then they have some good guys this year. I mean, Zuccarello. Uh, I don't think they're going to trade me because it's been a jab, but he's been on a tear uh, uh, very recently. Uh, so, yeah, I think they can sell again like they're doing, and I think what they did was great. They made it. They, they stated to their fans 
that we're going to rebuild and we're going to grow this as a thing. While teams like Ottawa, they try and they try and like avoid that question. You know what I mean? But Rangers, they spearheaded it. They they told their fans this is what we're doing, and it's been it's working pretty well. They're a young, fast team, which is what you want. And they're in games. They they obviously losing a pretty good amount of them, but I think they're doing what a uh, good thing what they need to do. But moving on to Nashville, uh, we would say I'm on the Rangers, but we need to get through this. Uh, moving on to Nashville, you guys, uh, what do you think they want to do, and how are they moving Eli Tolton in? They want Zuccarello. <laughs> they want Zuccarello. I, you mentioned that. I think Zuccarello to Nashville, think about it this way. You have Forsberg and Arvidsson on one line, uh, and then you have Johansson and uh, Zuccarello on the second Fiala, line. Yeah. Uh, and then with Terrace. Uh, yeah, I forget oh, Terrace. Yeah. <laughs> Terrace is there, too. Terrace uh, being on Nashville, I always forget, by the way. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been fantastic, so... He started well. That's not necessarily Like, when he originally got traded, he was great, but now he's kind of... He's kind of fallen back into his mediocrity. He's fallen off. Yeah. But, no, I think if Nashville's going to add anything, they're looking for more scorers, and I I do think Eli Tolvanen is is in play. He started off the season with them, and then he's been a scratch and then sent down. Uh, You see this with a lot of prospects who are in that tweener stage of their development. Um, And I think right now, obviously, uh, Nashville's in the go-for win-now mode. So to move a prospect like him for for an already um, established NHL player, I think is the right move. And I think that he fits the mold the mold perfectly for uh, a team like uh, the Rangers because they're in that rebuilding stage. You get a young player that you can develop and mold into the type of player you want, and that's essentially I think this is a perfect trade for him. I think they move maybe they move for both. You trade uh, your first um, oh, and the second along with Eli Tolvanen. You grab Zuccarello, and they could even be in a move for uh, Kevin Hayes. Um, I know they already bulked up with uh, with Brian Boyle. For their fourth line, but just the way they were pushed around a lot versus Winnipeg last year to grab a six foot five center like Kevin Hayes as your third line center, um, you can't go wrong with that. So yeah, with that with Nashville, I feel like their position is kind of unique because they're this amazing team. They've had some injuries on the season, of course, but they're this amazing team. But they've always just been looking down or looking up, up upon the Winnipeg Jets this season, and I feel like the race between the two is close than people think, but I still think the Winnipeg Jets are the better team as a whole right now. When it comes to in, when it comes to the playoffs, of course, we saw Winnipeg beat Nashville last year. That probably still has some salt in the wound for Nashville fans and for that franchise. And I feel like even though it would hurt a lot to get rid of a guy like Elie Tolvanen, if you trade a guy like that, get a Mark Stone or, or an Artemi Panarin or something crazy, that would open up the floodgates for Nashville and could probably put them over the hump to maybe get back to the Stanley Cup final. To me, I think a piece they might want to add is a little bit more of that grit and they obviously added Boyle already but a team that we didn't talk a lot about but obviously they're in a kind of weird position where they have a good team but not a great goaltender the Philadelphia Flyers I think Simmons would be a great addition to Nashville they have the room for him and I think he would slot well into that top six uh, you move Fiala down maybe out of that top six, but I think it's fine when you're adding uh, Wayne Simmons, who also needs a little bit of a fresh start. Uh, not like a fre- obviously in his whole career he's been great, but this year he's kind of fallen off a little, little bit. So I think maybe you add him to Nashville, you can play him there, and I think that might be a good fit just because he's a UFA. I think the cheaper option there would just be to go with Furlan. They practically bring the same thing 
Justin Furlan's younger, you're not going to re-sign any of these guys because you still have a you know a salary crunch. Um, and you maybe could sign Furlan for what it's worth. I think you get. I'm not going to say that Furlan and Simmons are the same player, but similar, for what they bring and who and who's younger right now, Furlan. I think you go for Furlan. I think he's going to cost you a lot less than what Simmons would bring because you're you're paying for what Simmons used to be, not what he is right now. Actually, you know what? You've persuaded me. I think you'd rather go for Furlan because obviously you're not resigning any of these guys, right? If if we're going on if we're going on the fact that they're not resigning any of these guys, then I definitely agree with you. you give up less assets for Furland. The thing is with Nashville, I don't think they're going to be able to resign. Uh, and obviously, like we said, any of these guys, they only have six million in projected cap space, right? So, and then I guess they they won't probably resign Brian Boyle, but they don't have that many guys to resign. So unless Furlan wants more than six million, I don't know. Uh, if I, they may be able to resign him, but if he, so yeah, I think Furlan's probably the better play. You persuaded me. <laughs> you got me. Yeah, with Simmons, I feel like Simmons just. To the Leafs. Like he could fit on a lot of different teams. He's a vers- versatile winger that can bring a lot. While he hasn't had the greatest season, I feel like he can bring a lot to a contending team. And I feel like while Furlan is a better player, for- Simmons also has a lot of that playoff experience too. Right on, right on. All right. Yeah, but yeah, with this trade deadline, it's gonna be a lot. Of, it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens because I, we're probably gonna have one more podcast before uh, the trade deadline actually happens. But it's gonna be a uh, pretty stockpile one because we haven't had a lot of traded lines up to this kind of caliber of a, of a Mark Stone, Matthew Shane, or Timmy Panarin, Sergei Wabrowski. A, a lot of big of names them. are coming just up. Just the pure amount of them. Usually there might be a, like a two big names, but there's so many big yeah. names who could be on the move just because of how the contracts are and we're moving into a big free agency. Uh, I mean, there's so many RFAs which you're going to be dealing with, which means a lot of UFAs are going to go to free agency and they're going to get signed by new teams. Uh, there's so many players. Uh, so yeah, you can... There's, just a, there's a lot of stuff coming up with these big players just because for whatever reason their contracts are all ending at relatively the same time so we're in for a it's going to be a very weird one because anything can happen I think like a lot of the times a lot of stuff is predicted but in this one like anyone can be on the move from line A to stone and then yeah there's just a lot that's going on with this specific trade deadline I agree with that man Alright, so I think we're going to wrap it up here. I don't think we have an official outro yet since we're so new, but for everybody watching the first episode, greatly appreciated. We're trying to get this podcast off the ground, so of course share with your friends. If you guys know any hockey fans around a family, or if you have any like-minded hockey friends, we're trying to get this podcast off the ground. We'll be doing it every single Sunday, or at least it'll be releasing every single Sunday. Um, of course, I'm Grav. You can find me on YouTube at Gravity, G-R-A-V-I T-E-H. Um, and of course, you can find... I'll, I'll let Nico and Jay tell you where they're from. Jay, go ahead. Okay, so I was just going to say, again, Twitter is the hub for everything I do, starting up uh, Twitch and YouTube and all that stuff. Obviously, I do graphic design. That's You guys already know that, but follow me on Twitter, 416J. And remember, follow this podcast. If you're going to follow any of us, follow the podcast page at ROH Podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can find out when we're recording, what we're talking about, and then some stuff just that we want to tweet from that a uh, little uh, from that account. So remember, follow ROH Podcast, uh, Religion of Hockey Podcast on Twitter. All right, and you can follow me at Nico from the TO and find my articles on the puck77.com. 
All right. So, of course, you can find the pod. The, we have a new podcast Twitter at ROH Podcasts, uh, the Religion of Hockey Podcast. But until next Sunday, that is going to be it for today. We've been doing a nice, let's see, 53 minute podcast. Should be pretty lengthy. Probably nice and tight. Yeah, probably should have been a little bit shorter, but <laughs> yeah. we went a little bit overboard. But hey, a lot of hockey content this time around. But, of course, with the NHL trade deadline coming around, we'll probably have a new one next Sunday. Make sure to tune in. But, of course, this time, I'll see you guys later. Nico and Jay as well. We'll see you guys in the next episode, likely on Sunday. Keep preaching hockey and goodbye. Always podcast on Twitter.